Welcome to the 2020 Grief Project podcast, hosted by me, Diane Brennan and Kristen Lajeunesse, two people engaging in dialogue around death and dying and the psychology of loss and grief. Join us in becoming more curious and less afraid of these sometimes scary topics. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the 2020 Grief Project podcast. We are happy to be here with you today um, talking about different types of loss. And today, Kristen and I are going to just explore uh, the definition of loss and really kind of expand our thinking around it. Um, both death and non-death related losses and what, what they are, like, let's just label them and kind of say what they are out loud. Um, and then what we're going to do is, you know, talk a little bit more about grief related to those different types of losses and how do we validate someone else's grief when they are confronted or when they have had a loss in their life. And, you know, this is something Kristen and I reflect on at different times and in different ways uh, where, you know, what's the best way to approach these conversations or, you know, validating others when they've had a loss. And so we're gonna get into that uh, today, but we really want to, you know, expand the way we think about loss. So let's, let's dive in. Kristen, let's Hi. start talking. <laughs> <laughs> um, let's start talking about the different types of losses. So um, when we think about the different types of losses, what's the first thing that comes to your mind? I always think of, of death or dying. I think when someone says loss or even says that they're grieving, I automatically go to, oh, someone must have died. Um, but if anything uh, from this past year has taught me that there are a lot of different forms of, of loss uh, that leads to grieving or forms of grief. Um, I think we've We've, you and I have talked about this before, whether it's um, experiencing loss of a job or a relationship changing, maybe you're getting a divorce or starting a new relationship and how that affects other people in your, in your life. And um, uh, I think we, we mentioned illness and, and disability or trauma, career changes, but before I just keep listing things, I'll, I'll let you, I'll let you go back. <laughs> well, no, I'm glad that you kind of dove right into it because like, I, I do think that when people hear loss and grief, uh, they automatically go to a death, right? That, that mm -hmm. is exactly where our mind goes. And, and to your point in the, the past year, certainly the pandemic has uh, highlighted that for for many, although um, it 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 is, I think I would say second to death and dying. I do think people think about loss in terms of like divorce, separation, like breakup, you know, mm -hmm. of a relationship. Like I feel like 
if we if we were to send out a survey and ask people like to rank <laughs> uh, or to list, I, I would just expect that death and dying would be first and then mm -hmm. relationship breakup of some kind would be next, right? Mm -hmm. um, and then I, I do think, I think third on the list would be like job, uh, people mm -hmm. getting laid mm -hmm. off or let go or, or um, career. Right, there, something happening career-wise, or, or even, I guess I would extend that, but I think it might be a leap. Uh, but I would extend that to like money, like um, yeah, right, like stability around finances. Yes, yeah. stemming from usually like job or career, right? Mm -hmm. Um, but I also you know, I think about loss and, you know, for really truly like expanding our view of, of loss and where people might experience grief. I would say that uh, when someone is diagnosed with an illness and it might be an illness that is not life-threatening, although it could alter your life, so thinking about it in terms of MS, maybe rheumatoid arthritis, or um, you know, perhaps some type of cancer diagnosis that is treatable. Um, when I think about it in those ways, like a, a diagnosis that could really kind of alter your life, um, there's grief. You know, around that mm -hmm. because, right, the life I had is not going to be the same as a result of this illness, whatever it might be, right? Yeah, and that makes me think of uh, uh, what I learned, another piece that I learned during pandemic times, which is the idea of anticipatory grief, which mm -hmm. may fit into this of the expectation of what's to come. So maybe you know that one of your loved ones is going to, to die or the anticipation or expectation of a job loss because of external influences that are out of your control. Um, I don't know if those are totally separate things, you can tell me, but uh, the expression came to me as you were talking of, oh, that reminds me of when I learned about anticipatory grief. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I think that, you know, that part of like the way I think about it is with an illness is I'm not feeling well, um, there's something wrong, but I don't have a diagnosis yet. So mm -hmm. anticipatory grief would definitely, you know, be, uh, you know, kind of creeping in, you know, in that space, like to your example, like of the job, same thing, right? I'm, I'm seeing all these changes in the company I work for, mm -hmm. seeing changes in the uh, economic stability of the world and, I start to worry about my job and my finances. So I, you're absolutely right. The anticipatory uh, grief shows up in those cases. Um, you know, the other type of loss that I think about is similar uh, to illness. It's also when someone perhaps uh, loses like capacity or becomes disabled in some way. So mm -hmm. you think about like a car accident and uh, someone losing a limb, an arm or a leg or, you know, mm -hmm. something along those lines or 
uh, someone suffers a traumatic brain injury, um, uh, you know, like I, I think about things like that. I'm trying to think of other examples off the top of my head that go with that, but you get my, mm -hmm. you get that space where I think with that, it's, it's really more like traumatic grief, like this kind of traumatic event happened. And as a result, I'm, you know, not, no longer able to do things the way I used to. Sure. Do, yeah. What and examples pop in? Yeah. The life you had before or what you were capable of doing before that accident yeah. or whatever it was. Yeah. Yeah. Whatever, whatever caused it, right. Whether it was an mm -hmm. accident or, yeah, I even think about illness, like, um, what popped into my head was maybe someone who's suffering from like diabetes and, um, you know, has some issue that they, they can no longer, you know, do something in a certain way, or they, you know, it gets to the point where it's so bad that they, you know, maybe have an amputation of some sort. Um, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. like just thinking about it, um, from those perspectives. So there's a lot of, of grief that, that happens around things like that, that often I think goes on either unrecognized or, or it's not necessarily validated. Um, right. Or we get into that space of, well, my experience wasn't as bad as what this person went through. So I shouldn't be, you know, we start shooting on ourselves. <laughs> of, I shouldn't be feeling sad or depressed because, you know, I, I only had this experience, whereas my friends, parent just died. And so why should, you know, I feel like that's yes. kind of an interesting space that we could get into at some point too, of comparison around levels of grief, so to speak. Yeah. I think, right. That, that happens. I, I don't want to say it's, um, it's a contest, but in a way, right. It, it is like, we categorize and say like, well, grief associated with this type of loss is the biggest or the mm -hmm, worst. Right. Mm -hmm. And then grief associated with these types of losses. Oh, like you can like that, that's nothing. Right. We, we discount mm -hmm. it. Um, and that's not true. Like I think about loss of like, think about all of those fires out in California, uh, and on the West Coast, uh, where people lost their homes, right? Tornadoes, right? Mm -hmm. In the Midwest, um, floods, right? All of that. Um, when you lose your home, the sense of safety that we, mm -hmm. you know, that we can, that the loss of safety that we could experience, um, the loss of our personal possessions, which we have attachment to. So there's grief around that. Um, the, the grief associated with those types of events, I, I think lots of times goes unnoticed because it's almost, uh, I would say, like uh, shushed aside or, or swept aside, like, well, they're possessions. You, you can get, you can, you know, here's the line. Um, at least you still have your life. Like that right. type of thing. Right? At like least, <laughs> yes. The comparison and, or it could be worse situation. Yeah. That's probably uh, one of maybe the not greatest responses <laughs> to someone <laughs> that's struggling. That's the, right. The, the, not the, what we should not do. Right. Yeah. <laughs> um, because look, I think that, you know, we can, we could say, you know, the things that we described, right. Are, 
more in the natural disaster category, although people lose their homes due to fires or uh, due to you know, some other some other means, um, you know, whether it's like financially they can't afford it any longer or there's all different, you know, scenarios that we could start to think Mm -hmm. about, but the, the sense of safety, um, that, that goes away, you know, as a result, there's grief, uh, and there's a loss experience there. Same thing when we experience some kind of traumatic event, um, whether it could be, you know, being attacked, um, you know, raped. Uh, I'm trying to, you know, kind of think of like other examples of like, I just, I think about it in terms of our own, our own personal safety. So sure. Yeah. Well, I think that comes down to, you know, our, our hierarchy of needs, right? Like if we don't feel safe or if we've been violated in some way or, have lost a home or whatever it may be, it disrupts our human need to feel secure and safe and confident in walking outside or walking alone in the dark or having a place to sleep at night where we'll be warm and not have to worry about someone. I mean, well, this makes me think of someone breaking in. I've, I've had friends Mm. that have had very traumatic experiences of someone breaking into their home while they're there. Um, and that being an ongoing ca- causing problems with sleeping going forward and a lot of other, you know, things. So yeah, there, I think there are just so many different ways that we can acknowledge and to your point and what we'll get to a little bit more is kind of validating those types of losses, which lead to feelings of grief and anxiety and depression and other things. And just knowing that there's room for all of them and it's not a who's had it worse or less worse, it's more of a, how can we just show up for the people in our lives in ways that, that are supportive and in what they might need in that moment? Yeah. I mean, I I don't want to forget to mention loss associated with a pet dying um, Mm -hmm. as well. Mm -hmm. Right. The, that, you know, I think about that part or, you know, the, like when I think about pets, it, it extends, you know, for me in term to like companionship and the loss of that and also, um, you know, friendships, you know, for that matter, mm-hmm. where mm-hmm. we can have, you know, the loss of all of those things and it could be, uh, we could have significant grief um, from the loss of a pet, uh, you know, just um, sometimes that can be extremely overwhelming for people. So, and and it doesn't get validated, right? Because Mm -hmm. many times it's like, well, but when are you going to get another dog or cat or bird or whatever it might be? Right. Um, you know, people think about it in terms of, you know, being able to replace, um, being able to easily replace. And, you know, I think that, that, makes my brain then leap into pregnancy and uh, infertility as well as other Mm -hmm. types of loss. And that when someone has a pregnancy loss and the loss of pregnancy earlier on, there is a, there's a greater likelihood it doesn't get validated, whether 
whether you know they haven't just told people about it, whether they chose to terminate the pregnancy on their own, right? So if I if I decide to have an abortion, um, it's personal choice, but there's still grief mm-hmm. around the loss of that. Uh, if I, you know, my, if my body um, cannot, you know, carry the pregnancy and I have a miscarriage, then you know, that's another level of loss. Uh, but there's, there's loss and there's grief, just as there's grief with, for someone who is experiencing difficulties getting pregnant, mm-hmm. someone who wants to get pregnant and can't get pregnant. So when yeah, I, and that makes me think of the piece of that I think can accompany this type of grief is shame. And mm. I think that's probably a big part of why, I mean, I have some people in my life that they make it their mission to help normalize talking about getting abortions or having miscarriages um, because there's just, there's so much kind of shame or guilt surrounding that for various reasons, you know, other influences, of course, in someone's life, whether it's religion, mm-hmm. family, whatever it may be. Um, but I think that's something too, that's important to acknowledge is just whether it's this particular example of um, fertility, pregnancy, or even in the face of divorce or job loss, those are other kind of scenarios where people may be ashamed of admitting what has happened or acknowledging what has happened. And and it can be really difficult, I think, when that's integrated into you're already grieving this thing, and now you're adding in a layer of not wanting to talk about it because of what others may think. Sure. Well, yeah, I think of it this way, that where there's loss, there's grief, right? So mm-hmm. no matter what the loss, and I feel like we just listed, right, a whole mm-hmm. bunch of different ways that as human beings, we can experience loss in our lives. And as a result of those losses, grief shows up and it can have, it can look at all different ways to your point, right? There, there can be shame associated, there can be guilt, there can be regret, there, there can be relief. I mean, there can be, you know, all different sorts of emotions that we feel. Although there is a real importance that no matter what the loss is that it's really important that it's acknowledged and that our grief is acknowledged. And when that happens, we can kind of move through our grieving process in you know, a very kind of natural way. And when it's, when it's not acknowledged or validated, we can feel something that is called disenfranchised grief. And disenfranchised grief simply means that the loss is not validated by others, whether it's like greater society or family members or friends, like whomever the others are, um, it's that our loss is invalidated and disenfranchised grief can make us feel, to your point, greater degrees of shame. Uh, greater degrees of 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 guilt, or um, you know that that our that our loss isn't isn't worthy of being recognized or or acknowledged, and 
um, gosh, who wants to put that on anybody, you know? Right. Right. Like it makes me sad (laughs) 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 to be honest that, um, that it makes me sad that others losses and their grief, um, can potentially go, you know, un unvalidated or, or that it's not validated. And I, I know through the work that I do that many times it's not someone's intention to not validate or not, um, acknowledge someone's loss, but sometimes it's hard and Mm -hmm. we don't know how to do it. And we, we can avoid acknowledging or validating someone's loss because we don't want to add to their grief or we're not sure if they want to talk about it or, or we don't know how to talk about it. And I think it, it just creates then like the scenario that we want to avoid, which is not saying something and, and or you know, hurting someone, I guess, would be the, the way that I think about that. Like we unknowingly um, made to send a message by not, by not addressing someone's loss directly that we don't care. Like we send the message that we don't care when we truly care. We just might not know how to express that. Yeah, absolutely. I, I had a, an experience recently, uh, very recently, um, where a friend of mine lost their parent. And, you know, as someone who has spent the last three or so years working with you, uh, seeing you interview and talk to people about death, dying, and loss weekly, uh, researching articles, all these pieces, I felt that I should have been so well equipped in that moment to know what to say or do. Um, and also as someone who hasn't experienced a sudden or traumatic loss of a family member, um, or, or that wasn't expected, um, outside of my grandparents, let's say, um, I just felt almost paralyzed in that moment. And, you know, another interesting thing has come up for me as you were talking about this and, and kind of public validation or friends and family validating grief and losses with the advent of social media and, and people posting, um, their losses online, whether it's mm. a companion animal or a, a family member that's died or, or another type of loss that they're experiencing. There is kind of this flood sometimes of, I don't know, I don't want to call it blind validation, but people who are kind of auto responding like, Oh, this thing happened for this person. I better put a quick note. And then they go about their day. Um, I, I do, I've done that many times, um, but with this particular person that I'm referring to that had a more recent loss, I just, I consider them a really good friend. And, and yet still, I, I acknowledge their loss on their social media when they posted it, but it took me days to reach out to them. I just, I wasn't sure what to say or how to say it. And it just was incredibly anxiety inducing. And mm. <laughs> so I did. Admittedly, I I did end up texting, but I, I, you know, I feel like that wasn't good enough. Like, sure. Mm -hmm. I might fall into millennial category just barely, but still like, should I, (laughs) should I have just texted or should I have called? And if I did call, what the heck do I even say in that moment? I, I, I think 
Kristen, that's exactly what happens. You, you know, you kind of articulated that beautifully and that there is this like, oh, oh crap moment, right? Of like, what do I say? What's the right thing? Uh, how do I, how do I go about this? And to your point, right? It, it, it paralyzes us and we, uh, we may like wait longer than we want to and we sit in our own anxiety then as a result of it um but the the that that not knowing um what to say and and not wanting to say the wrong thing like i'm sure there was a component of that in there as well right sure and uh, you know if if i've learned anything from watching the interviews that you've done with people who have experienced loss it's that some people really like when when you jump right in and and say all the things and try to help out in all the ways and then other people just kind of want to be left alone and i think that probably added to my anxiety of i don't know what this person would want in this moment and i don't even mm. know if they'd want me to ask so i don't know what would what do you say in that for that <laughs> like what what advice yeah. would you have given me if i said hey this is what's going on should and I I'm say not... something or just ask them straight up if they need my help? Yeah, I, it's a great question. And my go-to is you always acknowledge it in some way. And mm -hmm. it could be, I, I would say just my own personal experience. I, I might send a card at times. I may, I may send a text. I may do a phone call. Um, I could do combination, you know, of all of the above. And, and I do, I do kind of like, uh, to think about it in a kind of multiple touch point way. Um, because when we think about the person who's had the loss and, and the fact that they're grieving earlier on in, uh, the grief. So immediately following kind of the loss event, whether it's a death, whether it's the loss of a job, whether it's, um, you know, some traumatic episode that happened, right? The immediate aftermath of the loss is, it, it is marked with uh, periods perhaps of like confusion, some withdrawal from the person, um, you know, they're trying to kind of figure things out. So they may or may not really remember uh, on social media, they may or may not see the comment. Maybe they'll go back at some later time. And even with a text message, they may or may not see it, right? I mean, how many times do we kind of look at our texts and then, you know, kind of say we're going to come back to it and then forget to? So, mm -hmm. like, I, I think that um, some initial contact would be important. And if the easiest way to do that, is social media or text, I say, do that. Like, do that as your initial contact. But then do a follow-up. And based on the relationship that you have, the follow-up that might be appropriate could be a phone call. It could be uh, sending a, a card or, you know, a letter, which I realize is old school, but there is, there is something about the written word <laughs> that yeah, uh, can yeah. be very comforting, right? Mm -hmm. um, or even an email, like a more detailed email. Uh, you know, you have to think about it relative to the relationship. Uh, but ultimately it is 
it is about having having some kind of level of you know multiple touch points with the person and you know making a note to say i'm going to check in with them you know a month from now just to see right mm-hmm. so it's like in the immediate it's like i would say one or two points of contact and then like another kind of month or so out to see just how they're doing and mm-hmm. the words don't have to be anything super eloquent or perfect it's just expressing i'm thinking about you and i'm here i'm here for you mm-hmm. right and it can be just a simple acknowledgement of I'm sure things are a little crazy right now. I'm sure there's a lot going on. Uh, just wanted you to know I was thinking of you. If if it's a relationship where there's something that you feel like you could do, I think to offer and say, I'm going to stop by with, um, you know, whatever it might be that that could be helpful to them, whether it's you know, a small, a small gift, a small token, like something or something that you want to send them. Mm-hmm. Um, there's, there's some really cool bereavement gifts that are out there um, that you can send to people uh, as well, just to let them know. So you have to really think about the appropriateness of what more you want to do. But ultimately, the words, I think, matter less than the actions, Mm -hmm. if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, you know, it's really driving home for me and everything you're saying is just this idea of, hi, let's push past, you know, making this about you, Kristen slash me, like, you know, prioritizing (laughs) my own discomfort in a way, right? What I was doing was prioritizing my own discomfort and, and using avoidance or procrastination as a way to manage my anxiety around it instead of, you know, putting that, that person, that other person first is kind of how it was feeling to me as I was listening to, to what you were saying. And, and not to, not to say that anyone's wrong or bad, if it takes you a while to figure out what you want to do, but more of just this idea of reminding yourself that it's okay to, you know, push through that discomfort and get to a place of, knowing, as you're saying, knowing that even the action alone, no matter what it ends up being, will be a lot more meaningful than, you know, any carefully crafted thing that you wanted to, to say or do. Yeah. Cause most times what people will say to me is they remember who, who was there, mm-hmm. not what they said. Right. right. So yeah. they remember the, the presence, the actions, they yeah. usually don't remember the specifics. That's one part. And to build off of what you're saying, I, I I hear you, right? Like that part of like flipping it and saying, in this case, it's not about, you know, maybe I could set these things aside and push through to, you know, putting that other person's needs above my own. Um, I think that's a very, a very good way, you know, to say that. But to just, you know, think about it, you know, from that standpoint of we just we all want to be recognized and and we do want to be our experiences to be validated. And 
I know before you mentioned the uncertainty of does this person want me to say something? Do, do they not want me to say something? Like, mm -hmm. do they want to talk about it? Do they not want to talk about it? And to add to what you're saying, no matter what the response is, don't take it personally, right? Mm -hmm. When someone is in deep grief, they may be acting and behaving in a way that maybe isn't normal or typical for them. Mm -hmm. um, and if someone, you know, pushes back on our condolence or says something that we don't expect or, or maybe rebuffs our, you know, attempt at uh, offering a condolence to just not take it personally. And remember, again, it's like that same mentality that you were saying. It's not about us in that moment. It's about them. Mm -hmm. And we're just going to let them have their moment, their feelings, and not judge it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Right? Because, um, yeah, maybe someone doesn't want to talk about it. And that's okay. But we tried. That's the important part. Yeah. It made me think of one of the... Um, interviews that you did a couple of years ago and one of the one of the um, women had said something like she one of the things she remembered most was just a friend of hers sitting with her for like an hour in silence they just sat mm. did nothing said nothing and she still she was very young at the time and she still remembers to this day it was like over 20 years ago of course that that person that just sat with her meant so much yeah. And I'm glad you brought that up because it's just sometimes the simple actions mm -hmm. that validate, that acknowledge, that bring us um, some comfort when we're grieving. And to your point, there's so many different ways that we could validate someone's loss and their grief through simple acknowledgement and to just be thoughtful about what what we do and how we do it and just as there's no timeline for grief there's no timeline for acknowledgement if you, know, you I'm glad that you mentioned that Dan because I have a question for you okay <laughs> <laughs> came up for me as you were talking so to be transparent I so both of my parents have lost both of their parents uh, and it's been several years now and I still carry some kind of guilt or shame around. I feel like I didn't show up for my parents in the ways that I could or should have when their parents died. I mean, yes, I was at the funerals and, you know, with them physically when things were happening, but what would you say to someone maybe in my shoes that, you know, it's been several years. Is there anything that I should or could do now to kind of go back and say, Hey, you know, Hey mom and dad, like, I realized that, you know, I only stopped in for the funeral or was only here for a few days. And then I went about my life and I grieved in my own ways, my grandparents, but I, I don't know. I, I was just thinking about it as you were talking that, yeah, I really, I wish that I had shown up for my own parents with more something. I don't even know what the something is, 
Mm-hmm. But what would you say to that, to someone who's like, oh, I wish I could go back and help that person that was grieving at the time? I would say the, the, the thing that comes up for me and, and, and I think it is, um, some of what, you know, we talk about relative to the 2020 grief project in a broader sense is that grief doesn't go away. It just changes and shifts over time. Mm -hmm. And so perhaps you look back on that and say, gosh, I could have, you know, done something different, or maybe I wanted to do something different. And, and my younger self just didn't, uh, didn't, didn't, you know, see it in that way at the time. Although the grief is always there in some way, shape or form for people. And so to just have a, you know, a dialogue about that and, you know, share, you know, you could start a conversation by, you know, simply acknowledging your grandparents in some way and having that dialogue with your parents and then, you know, reflecting back on that time, because although you may see it in that way, maybe your parents see it as it was exactly what they needed at the time. And Mm. so I think it's, it's about just having an open dialogue about the losses in our life and knowing that, you know, grief comes and goes and that, there's an opportunity just to say I was reflecting on my grandparents and their death and at that time and now at this time and you know just having an open dialogue about how they're feeling and what they remember what they reflect on and how you remember it and what you reflect on it and how you reflect on it and just have an openness to talking about it and not avoiding the topic because we think it might be bringing up bad memories or bad things or mm-hmm. it might be upsetting um just you i know you and i know your relationship with your parents is very kind of close and i i mm-hmm. think it's a it's just i would say to you it's just another conversation to have yeah. you know Thank you. Yeah, I will uh, try to make that happen before they listen to this episode. <laughs> well, and if I know not, they're going to be listening to all of them. <laughs> but if not, it would be a perfect opportunity to say, oh, yeah. And I wanted to have that conversation with you guys. Right. Or just say, hey, go listen to this episode <laughs> and then come back to me. <laughs> but I guess that's, you know, it's a great place for us to kind of end is that no matter what, the the loss is no matter what the you know timeline is if it happened last week or several years ago or you know decades ago having a dialogue around loss and grief and how it shows up in our life at different times and and just being being able to kind of reflect on it and talk about it openly is really what, what we hope to model and, and encourage people to do because we are always going to carry some level of grief with us around our losses and validating 
that grief and, and those losses throughout our life is such a healthy way of, of dealing with loss in our life. And so I just want to mm -hmm. encourage people to put aside, I think the way you said it was perfect. It's like, put aside your own anxiety, put aside your own needs for a moment and just connect to what the other person might need and let the conversation flow from there. Mm -hmm. If we could do more of that, it would make my heart really happy. Aww. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and on that note, I think we'll, we'll say goodbye for today and, uh, and, you know, pick up the conversation about grief and loss uh, in our next episode. What do you say, Kristen? Sounds good. Thanks for listening, everyone. And if you want to watch any of the recorded interviews that Diane has done in the past, um, check out our website, 2020griefproject.com.